Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Can you narrow? Yeah, can you narrow? And I know that that doesn't directly deal with Oregon Trail, but I've had that song in my head on and off since we started playing this game. So uh, here's the thing about that. Um, <laughs> when uh you uh cock the wagon and go across the river uh-huh. I, that's when i hear that song in my i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why it's just something about the little animation of the thing going across makes you think of the canyon arrow song from the simpsons yep yep no it's good stuff i mean hey it's endorsed by crusty and crusty only endorses quality products only quality <laughs> mm-hmm. never quantity so- so, uh, as always, we've completely buried the lead. We played Oregon Trail. Um, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. But we have to do um, a little bit of upfront. Uh, I don't want to say I did research because I didn't do any research. But this is like the most dangerously close to research I think I've come so far. Watch yourself, Lions. Well, it's an educational game. So I feel like I almost it's like there's like a there's like damage reduction on the amount of research <laughs> you're allowed to get away with. So here's the thing. Uh, this game, we played the 1990 uh, PC version, the, actually technically the MS-DOS version, um, which is available on archive.org. And I'm actually going to leave myself a note because I literally want to put that in the show notes because it's super freaking awesome that you can like play old video games on the internet in the browser. Yep. Um, but neither of us have access to this original game, but it's for free, right? So while I was looking into where we could play this, because this is also our first ever PC game, um, mm-hmm. do you know when this game originally came out? We played the 1990 version. Do you know when this game originally released? I'm going to say 83. No? 76? Really? <laughs> 65? No. 71. Uh, so wow. here, here's like the, the super short version of this very interesting story. Um, this was like a school project. So these, these hmm. three uh, guys were working on a project and they were tasked with like making an educational thing for one of their classes. And so they made the original Oregon Trail as like a way to teach how you know what this was like this time in history and they did it like for funsies and then never considered like oh this should totally be a business and then a bunch of like unbelievable events happened and they ended up turning it into the game we know which actually was released to the public in 1974 and then was remade a bunch of times over the decades until we played the 1990 version as kids and it was remade as recently as this year the, really? the year of our Lord, 2018. There's also wow. a card game version where you play apparently the entire game like tabletop style. But here's the mind blowy part. Because we're going to talk about the visuals for this game eventually. The original game was played on a teletype. It was a text adventure. Huh. Yeah. Neat. Right. I mean, realistically, that's all you you really need to, you know, to play this game. But, you know. 
Um, but yeah, no. So, uh, so before we get into visuals and, and basically how much you don't necessarily, they're not necessary. <laughs> um, what, what's your nostalgia experience for this game? So I can describe almost everything about the room that had the Apple II in it that I played this game on. So nice, nice. my uh, my elementary school had um, pods of classrooms, and our pod happened to only use three of the four classrooms. So the fourth room was a computer lab, and that was a room we were very lucky. It was a very um, it was a brand new school, so it had all brand new funding and everything, which is like awesome when you're a kid because you're just like everything is amazing all the sporting and music equipment is fantastic right but we also happen to have the computer lab in our pod so room just friggin' full of apple II computers and macintoshes and we played friggin' oregon trail sometimes for book learning but also sometimes just like oh you were a good student today you can uh, okay we don't have anything else for you to do go go play oregon trail with your friend matt so matt and i and alex would go play oregon trail yeah, and actually, I mean, and this does again speak volumes for because I mean, like Oregon Trail is technically an educational game, but it is, it is fun. It, it shows you how like or, you know educational games don't have to be like mind blowing slogs. Um, I actually have kind of a a nostalgia experience for this game, and then like a tangential one. So like my nostalgia experience for this game was just actually that my my friend owned it at his house, and we just played it. Not even at school, we just. <laughs> played it because it's this fun game you know it's fun people get dysentery and die it's great um but my eighth grade teacher created a version of this that was like an actual tabletop like he created it from scratch it was like four giant pieces of like plywood that all linked together in a brilliant like 3d one where you like you put down cards and all this sort of stuff like he made it from scratch but his was if this was realistic, this was his was hyper realistic <laughs> and like very macabre. And, and I just, I loved it so much. The one thing I remember the most was that it was one of your children dies from a snake bite advanced three paces. Right. And somebody said like, that's, that's like a good thing. And he's like, well, yeah, of course you got one less on out to feed. You can move faster. And I was like, huh, thank <laughs> you. Ace grade teacher for, <laughs> for teaching me i guess law of the conservation of mass i don't i don't know but yeah no so i mean like that's that and then so then that further reinforced because when i played that game i was like i'm gonna, I'm gonna go play, back and play more of the original game so it had definitely been many years since i played it but uh but i i definitely played this well after it had been out for quite some time oh yeah and yeah. and this is you know we don't normally uh make a big deal of the number that each episode is but this is episode 50 it's our, it's our first PC game ever, which is, I think, cool, right? That we're ad, adding in some other consoles. Um, but it occurred to me, because uh, you you were the one who pushed this for a while. You were like, oh, dude, we should, we should play Oregon Trail. And I was like, yeah, but it's a PC game. We haven't really played any PC games. And then I was like, no, you know what? This is This game, I think, needs to work its way in because of all the games we've played and all the games we might yet play, uh, mm-hmm. this may be the single most, like, like nostalgia lever you can pull on in like a random stranger. Like if you know someone is like Gen X, Gen Y, they almost definitely played this in school or at a friend's house or like in the library or something. So you can go up to almost anyone, even if they're not a gamer and be like, Hey, you remember Oregon trail? And they're like, Oh yeah, I played that when I was a kid. It's school. Right? Like even if they never touched a Nintendo, they never picked up a, a PlayStation. Like, there's a really good chance anyone in those two generations played this game. And I think that makes it kind of unique. 
For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, like, basically, you can walk up to anybody and say Oregon Trail and they'll be like, died of dysentery. Right. You know, like they, yeah, they just know. And uh, speaking of dying of dysentery, the visuals. I feel like that was a clean transition. I'm pretty happy with it, sticking with it. Moving on. The visuals. <laughs> what do you, what do you think of those? So I, I think it's interesting that you already said, uh, in regards to my teletype reference, that you could technically play this game with no visuals, right? And Correct. just there's nothing other than the hunting, I suppose, which could just be replaced with random number generation. Um, right. But there's nothing in the game other than the hunting that literally requires visuals. Um, so they're all there just in service of what is essentially a text adventure. Uh, that being said, I am going to be fair, and I know I've mentioned this on some other games before, so please you know, don't at me. Um, I hate this era of graphics. I, it's just they aesthetically rub me the wrong way. They look exactly like early Atari graphics. Everything mm-hmm. is blocky in an awkward, craptastic way that I just don't like. I don't like it. There are visuals in this game that I think are really nice. Like the the like the main screen, like the little wagon getting pulled by the oxen. Like I actually think that looks good. Like it's very cartoony, tokenized. Like it, it's you know what it's supposed to be, even though it's really simple. Um, but anytime this entire era of graphics, anytime they try and render a person, it just, it, it just grates me wrong. It's like, it's, it's the opposite of the uncanny Valley. Like it's so crappy that my brain is just like, <laughs> you know what? Screw you, screw you for trying to make me think that this is a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I thought that, you know, the, the, the graphics were, I mean, like I said, like they were to me, I think the reason why they didn't quite rub me the wrong way is I just consistently viewed them as icing, you know, like, yeah, that's fair. Cause I mean, the, like basically I'm, I'm playing this, this thing for like the mechanical challenge, not for like the, the, the graph. So like to me, like any visual was just kind of like, Oh, that's nice. And there was nothing like offensive about the visuals, you know, like in the sense that like they didn't know flashing lights, nothing, you know, that like was <laughs> abrasive. And also too, as we said, I think that, that there's a big, and again, aside from the hunting scene, which, which we will get into as far as mechanically, <laughs> but um, as far as the visuals go, because they are not, they are just icing. Like there is, you could literally, like you said, like you could cut all of the visuals out and still play the game. So therefore, like, unlike with, for example, E.T. or a game <laughs> of that, that nature where, where, you know, just, I, I really want to bookend though, you know, like experience with, you know, Look, it's not ET, man, you know, yeah. but no, another but universal like crap reference you can go to. Yeah, no, I mean, like that, that everybody likes to point to that as the game that like almost killed the video game industry. But I think that was, you know, the the pneumonia that almost took the life of somebody who had the flu, you know? Yeah, agreed. Like, like there were a lot of other things going wrong and it just culminated in this terrible game. But uh, but no, I mean, I thought that because they were all, you know, I just whenever they were like not enjoyable i just kind of ignored them and you can you know unlike with some games where you absolutely like the visuals are bad and like you you constantly like you have to you have to be tuned into them and like a lot of times like if i just got tired of watching that little those ox just carry that little thing i just stopped looking up at that part of the screen and just kind of like watched actually to be fair a lot of times i just watched the numbers go down or up respectively. Yes. You the, know? the, the visuals for the HUD are thankfully incredibly clear and incredibly useful. Like yes. if I may quickly jump into how well the graphics serve gameplay, 
because they know that the information in that HUD is all that really matters. It's even, I think it's more than half the screen. Like mm-hmm. they weren't trying to be like, Oh look, we're going to put visuals with it. Right. Because the 1990 version that we played is actually not the first one with visuals. There was a version in the either extremely late seventies or early eighties that had like the solid green graphics when that was the nice. only co- you had monochrome displays, yeah. right? It's either off and it's black or it's on and it's green. And so these visuals and like the orientation of like the ox pulling the wagon and everything like that's just been refined over time. But uh, the the HUD information, what's your health? What's the weather? Uh, how much food do you have? Like if you don't know those things, you dive dysentery, right? Like horrible things happen if you do not have that information. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, and so so in that in that case, you know, I mean, I don't. Most of my, obviously, most of the meat of my notes is in mechanics, right? Because it's, <laughs> yes. you know, so so I don't know how much time we want to spend on visuals. But yeah, I mean, like, basically, visuals for the sake of visuals, it's like it's like asking, like, like how, how delicious is this protein brick? It's like, well, it's it exists. Like, it's it's fine, you know? Mm, um, bachelor not, show. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's the, the protein paste from the Matrix, you know? It's got all of the amino acids you need. You know, I mean, it's just... Like I said, like, I, 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 you know, I felt that the visuals were never ambiguous. The one thing I will say for visuals, for the sake of visuals, so visuals and service of gameplay, like you said, the main thing is the HUD. It's right there. You got it. Perfect. Um, visuals for the sake of visuals. I did. And, and I, the problem is I can't comment on this directly, but I did like when it's like, do you want to look around? And you got like little snippets of like what the area overall looked like. I liked that just because I would like to believe that that's, somewhat accurate because why wouldn't it be in an educational game yeah it, it's definitely it may be a stylized version of it right but they mm-hmm. you know they're like like chimney rock and like some of the the rivers that are like super windy and like the mountain ranges in the background like they they were attempting to be thoughtful and representative of reality because otherwise it wouldn't be very educational right so i, I did kind of like that where it's and, and i and i did like that it was an option you know, I thought that was an interesting kind of choice where it's like, hey, you're here, you know, and it's not like and now you have to watch a th- 10 second cutscene, basically. <laughs> you know, it's like, do you do you want to see it? And it's like, no, it's like, OK, that's fine. Yeah, but it's, it's here. It's here if you want it. Yeah. You know, so, so let me let me address those little, uh, I don't know, matte paintings <laughs> like they're mm-hmm. they're big static shots of. You know, like it's Soda Springs. It's the 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 travelers in like relaxing in the springs, and like it, you know, Chimney Rock. It's the big Chimney Rock, and right. So it's like the, all these landmarks that they people would stop at along the way as as like kind of uh, waypoints. This is uh, me trying to grapple with the fact that I know why these graphics suck, like by modern standards. And it's because these graphics were being made at a time in history when there literally was no, like there was no book on how to do good pixel art. And the reason mm-hmm. it stands out to me in a lot of these like PC era games or the, these early like MS-DOS and, and early Mac games is because these had for the time very high fidelity screens, like way higher than your television. So when you bring home your Atari and you play ET on the Atari, it had like five pixels on the screen and one of them was half cut off and it didn't change colors. Right? Like, I mean, it was awful. Like nobody's TV was high resolution, but these monitors were relatively way higher resolution, but they didn't have the artistic techniques. They, they, 
and, and this is why like certain companies like Nintendo in the early days and Sega massively set themselves apart because they were like, oh, if you do this with the pixels, it looks like shading or it looks like movement or it looks like, you know, a reflection off the water. And as people discovered these techniques, there was this, you know, you only need one person to discover it and then everybody else can copy it. Right. So you have this like super hockey stick change in the quality of graphics. And this is like right before that. So all of the tools are there, right? These machines could generate the colors and it had, a, you know, enough pixel density to do like shading and nice detail, but that is not what you get. You get flat, like MS paint quality graphics that just, oh God, it just boggles. It, it, it feels like this lost opportunity. And part of me is just like, eh, this is ugly. And then the other like more, you know, empathetic part of me is like, they didn't know. They didn't know. You can't blame them. They literally, no one knew at this time. But it it, yeah. it just drives me absolutely nuts to look at. Um, on the oh, yeah. on the positive side, uh, there are several places where you can tell there were thoughtful people about like what the visuals could do mechanically. Because when you talk about visuals in service of gameplay, the little ox is pulling your wagon, and if you're on like bumpy trail, the wagon actually bounces a little bit. It's really subtle. Like you might not even notice it because it is incredibly subtle visual, but the wagon will actually bounce a little bit. And sometimes like that's an indication that like you're about to break an axle or you're about to break a wheel because you're on rough terrain. You usually don't break a wheel randomly when it's moving smoothly, right? So there's all these little like visual things that I don't know if they're there for mechanical reasons. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but they are at least there to make the game feel more visually rich when it is essentially a text adventure, Yes, uh, agreed. So, I mean, you know, like, and I didn't even notice the the bumpy wagon thing. But so overall, the visuals, yes, this game had them. No, it didn't need them. <laughs> I don't feel that they really add much to the game, but I also don't feel that they detract from it either. You know? Yeah, they, they certainly don't detract from it playing it now. And at the time, it was probably like, oh, my God, look at all those colors. Everything. Pops. I'm on the Oregon Trail. Yeah. The colors, Duke. The colors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people were way more uh, future, like excited, kind of the way we look at VR today in 2018. We're like, oh, my God, it's like I'm there. And in five or ten years, people are going to be like, do you remember when people played what they thought was VR and it was like a virtual boy? <laughs> yeah, no, because because, you know, basically, you know, we've got like this VR. And we're like, oh, my God, so amazing. But then in like 50 years, somebody's going to do a podcast called Nostalgia Jack. Like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, remember when people used to just like jack in, you know, like the old fashioned way. But now we've got like these like hyper realistic, you know, it's like, yeah, that's going to be. Now we all live in these gel pods permanently and we're perfect emotional beings that flip through space. <laughs> Speaking of, check out our new channel, Nostalgia Jack, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's that's pretty much all I had for for visuals. You and 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 sound ain't ain't much more robust in my notes either. Oh geez, um, the the one thing I'll say about visuals is I will say this is almost definitely another first where uh, this may be the first game we've ever played where it didn't need any. Like you could right. absolutely play this game and people did for several years play this game with no visuals other than the text. And uh, that's that might be a first. It may be a last. I don't think we're going to dabble in the 70s era a whole lot. No, I mean, because I don't think that there's a whole lot of I mean, again, like Oregon Trail was like very educational. The only other game I can possibly think of is I'm trying I was trying to remember recently there's a movie where like it ties together with a kid playing an adventure game where it was like throwing like I, I think it might have been big 
I don't know, but mm-hmm. like we're. I was thinking at first. I thought maybe you meant like war games. Might be war games, but anyways, <laughs> you know, like like we're yeah, like like stuff like that. But anyways, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I, uh, yeah, the visuals. There are some. Yeah, we normally say that snarkily, but this this time it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, it, it had them, didn't need them. <laughs> it's not. It's the it's the opener. It's like it's not what I came to the show for. You know, I came to the show for the mechanics, but I mean, this was this was nice too. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the audio then. Um, there's even less of that. <laughs> yes, no, literally, and 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 again, I know that I'm, I'm I'm like the lame horse when it comes to audio. I have one audio note, which was I could have done without this. Like, <laughs> so, like this is this is the difference, though. I think that that if if the audio falls on the side of I didn't need it, but it was fine. Like I was I was okay having it. This was I didn't need it. And I didn't want it. Oh, you mean like, the, the visuals? The visuals were like a pleasant yeah. surprise, but the audio is like, eh. Exactly. Yeah, like the audio falls on the other side of that 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 razor thin line of like like neither of these. If you pull them out of the matrix between like necessary <laughs> and pleasant, you know, like necessary to unnecessary, pleasant to unpleasant, they're they're all super unnecessary. <laughs> and one of them is necessary and pleasant, and the other one is. Uh, they one is unnecessary and pleasant. The other one is unnecessary and unpleasant. Yeah, my problem with the audio uh, is that they have the exact same issue as the visuals, which is like people just didn't know how to write good chiptune music really for for this hardware at this time in history, right? Because this version came out in 1990, but it's really close to what they were doing way earlier in the 80s, right? And every time you release something, you have to code it brand new for that hardware. So you want to do as little work as possible. Um, so the, the audio in, in this version is like, it's just all turned up to 11. Like all of the sound effects are like full brightness, full fidelity, full volume, just really grating very little in the way of harmony. It's just like a recognizable melody. So it's, you know, a lot of like campdown races, like things you would associate with like a frontiersy kind of. Like, oh, we're out on the trail and it's that time in history, right? Like, I get why they made the musical choices they made, but the, God, it just sounds like such garbage, like so bad. And because they knew this game was being played in schools, it conveniently comes with an option to turn all the audio off because they probably were like, well, the only place that will ever have computers is a school library. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we can't, we can't just have this blaring out and, you know, unless the kids have some kind of head mounted monitoring system so they i mean it's right there on like every screen is like turn off disable audio or turn off audio or whatever it says so it's you fortunately not only can you do without it you can do without it yes absolutely no because i mean the first time i played it i actually played it this because you know you can play it on your laptop so i played it in an airport and i just turned off the sound and i was like okay okay let's do this thing turned on the sound i was like got it Turn up and and like, like and basically just like immediately turned off the sound again for my second run and then I played a little bit more where I was like I, I have to listen to the sound but again you know like it's it is all like it, it if you if you can like close your eyes and listen back through time to like and what you imagine what you remember the terribleness of like an eighties computer sounding like this is that you know mm-hmm. it, it's just. No nostalgic goggles required. Like it is exactly what you remember, you know? Yeah, I mean it's it's every bad Atari sound effect just 
bright, loud chimes and ding and boops and beeps and oh god, it's bad. Oh yeah, no, it's like it's it's like you know, like now it, it's kind of like you know, like everything was you know, like like warm, and I was felt safe. And I was finished. But now I've just been teleported back and all the sound effects are bright <laughs> and loud. This is hell. You know? So <laughs> as a fun aside to this, actually, um, since there's nothing else to say about the audio, there is only music on those little bonus screens you were talking about. And the rest of the game has almost no even sound effects. And there is zero music. So, I mean, there's nothing else to say about the audio. But I do have a side story. Uh, so... <laughs> When we were uh, first talking about we were going to play this, um, I found, because I was like, wait a minute, archive.org has this. And so I went and I found it and I was like, oh, good. It runs and it works fine. Well, you get about three or four screens into the game before you actually hear the first sound effect or music. And it's it's a musical score when you start, you've bought your supplies, you're starting on the Oregon Trail. And... This is being played in an emulator. You know, it's being emulated in the browser. Emulators are not always perfect. So it got to that screen and it is making this grating, horrible (laughs) static noise. And I was just like, okay, there is no way in hell this is what this actually sounded like. Like I, I would, you just, it sounds like modern static even, right? Like you can tell it's not like no old computer could even make these noises. <laughs> so I was like, obviously something was wrong with the emulator. So like I restarted and exact same thing. I switched to a different browser, exact same thing. I'm like, Oh God, like, I, Oh God, I don't know how. And I remember messaging you and just being like, dude, I don't know how we're going to critique the audio in this game. If the emulator is literally broken and then like I didn't get to play for a few more days and I fired it up and it played fine and it played fine every day for the rest of the playthrough. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think basically, you know, like if I remember correctly, what you told me you did was you, 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 you took your, uh, your, your, your Ram out and you just blew on it. Right. And <laughs> yes. you put it back in. That was, that was exactly what I did, but I had to do it on the server where the actual emulator is, is being, yeah. yeah. So I had to go <laughs> to Amazon and find there. Yes. Um, so now I'm just picturing like you walking like very confidently into their offices and be like, hey, what the, you know, shit, shit, shit. And then like, like you, you keep walking, you get to like the server room and like you've now drawn like a small crowd of people. You're like, what is he doing? Just rip like this like thing out. You, you know, blow on it, throw it back in. And they're like, ah, Oregon Trail must have been acting up again. You know, you're the third guy this week. <laughs> and the thing I like about this story is that, uh, the music is terrible because it's from a terrible time in video game music history. We actually, for a brief moment, suffered through an even worse version. Right? Like th- this. Yeah, the, yeah, like it's possible. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing we're <laughs> complaining about was actually like not the worst it got. So um, for anybody, th- this is my side tangent and then we can move on from, from audio. But like, is it you, you were... You, it's 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 like bad you know like like just bad it's the music is the guy at the party who doesn't really play guitar you know (laughs) that well but they're like like trying you know and then what you got was jake peralta strumming the guitar and just screaming (laughs) at at the witness like that's where you're like wait that can't possibly be that and you fuss with and you're like oh no it's just it's just that guy in college who you know ruin parties by not putting down the guitar <laughs> okay bill we know you know how to play smoke on the water just stop stop it 
does it take talent to play a guitar? Not the way I play it. So, <laughs> all right. So, so do we do we just go into the meat of why we're we're all here? Yes, yes. Let us let us talk of mechanics and let let us. So this is the one I've been wanting to talk about. I think we touched on it um, briefly, but this is the one that I, I've been wanting and just dying to talk about since we started playing. So, for, well. First thing before I, anytime there's a screen where there's a series of like choices, you know, to make, you can always say, what does this choice mean? And it tells you. Yes. And that's awesome. Yes. And that's, <laughs> and that's like something that like a lot of modern games and now a lot of modern games may not do that because they don't want you to know. And that's fine. If they don't want you like looking under the hood, that's entirely fine. But like at the very beginning where it's like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a banker? Do you want to be a uh, carpenter or do you want to be a farmer? farmer? And it's like, it's like, what, what does this mean? It's like, here's what it means. And that I found super awesome, especially again, from an educational game, because it's like, I need to be educated on the choices that I'm making. Um, So that, that's awesome. But that being said, um, banker, carpenter, farmer man what which which do you do okay so i did several playthroughs uh the first one i played as the carpenter and that family died they died they all died we didn't make <laughs> no just nowhere close because i was making fairly rash decisions as a way of quickly stress testing right mm-hmm. because the the game if you play the game start to finish and you know what you're doing, it's like it's like a 10 or 15 minute experience, right? So I, I just went in and I was like, I'm just going to like press buttons and, and just see what the feedback is to my inputs. Like what are the outputs to these inputs? So they died super fast. I played my second game as a carpenter and I uh, finished. Not everybody survived, but we finished. And then when I was going to start the third one, I was like, mm. I should probably take time to just read this screen right here that explains the differences <laughs> between them. And then when they said that the banker starts with the most money, I was like, well, I have all of the information I need now. And then I realized after a few more playthroughs, I was like, oh, it's literally just easy, normal, hard. It is. <laughs> and I thought that was a very clever way to do that for two reasons. One is because it's, it's you know, it is, it is a difficulty setting. And they're very clear at the beginning, like, this is what this means. Um, so as opposed to just being like, do you want to play on easy, medium, hard? It's like, do you want to play with, you know, do you want to be this type of person? Which I don't know if they did it on purpose. I'm going to assume that they did. Is a brilliant real world commentary because what's the difference between playing life on easy mode and life on hard mode? Money. How much money you start off? <laughs> yes. How much money do you start off with? Um, and just for my my personal playthrough experience, right? So the first time I played through, I saw that, you know, like I saw easy, medium, hard. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play on easy, but I'm going to play as the banker, right? And I was like, all right, I know whew, I know this game's super, super hard, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing it. I'm playing it as the banker. Let's, let's make this have real stakes. So I named all of the characters after my family members. The, and I will tell you what. It's a bold not, move, Cotton. Let's see if the strategy plays out for him. And and not a single person died because I took zero risk. <laughs> like anytime it was like, hey, man, do you want to fort the river? It's like, no, I'm going to pay somebody to do that for me. Do you want to go hunting? No, I'm just going to buy literally tons of food. You know, it's like, like anytime I could throw my, like anytime they were like, we recommend that you have X amount of supply. It's like, do you mean X plus 50 percent? Because that's how much I'm throwing in this wagon, man. You know, like, let's let's do this. Now, not everybody was in the best shape when they got there. 
but they all got there. So then having like, all right, I did it. I climbed the mountain, you know, now let's get silly. So the second time I played through as a farmer and I decided to change up the narrative a little bit. So I, <laughs> I named the characters different. I named them after myself, of course. Um, Aaron Glazer, a mutual friend of ours. Allison Keefe, and, another mutual friend of ours. Sorry, Aaron Glazer, host of Movie Medicine, another show that I produce that you should go subscribe to. It's Movie yep, Medicine. Go check it out. Um, all of her Movie Medicine knowledge did not help her. Nope. Um, <laughs> uh, jo- Joseph Tomlinson and David Lyons. Oh, crap, did I die? Well, it's interesting that you said, oh, crap, did I die? Ah, oh, crap. Because you had the... <laughs> Because you had the most honorable death of all, sir. Ugh. You died of dysentery. Well, you know, as the wagon leader, I blame you for giving me the tainted water. God damn it, George. <laughs> How many playthroughs did you have to do before you were like, I want to make sure I can say on air that Lions died of dysentery? Well, I don't know if you know this, but there, I believe in multiverse theory where there's an infinite number of universes. And that's an infinite number of versions of myself. I just happen to live in the one where everything works out for me. So fortunately, I got it on the first try. Nice. Well done. But yes, well done. You died of dysentery. Um, let me just double check my notes here. Um, you had a fever and then you died of dysentery. They often um, go together. <laughs> Allison died of diphtheria, which I thought was weird because you can get vaccinated for that. So I was surprised that she didn't vaccinate herself. Yeah, you know, not, not a lot of uh, Walgreens and CVSs on the Oregon Trail. I, look, I'm just saying I was disappointed in her. And uh, Aaron had typhoid, but survived. Survived, and Joe broke his arm, but survived. Nice. So, and man, I made rash decisions. I mean, they survived. They lived, but not well. Like their rations <laughs> were meager. You know, our pace was grueling, you know, like, but we, we got there, man. So I have a weird, I was actually saving this for the end, but since we're doing this now, like this is a perfectly fine time to talk about it. Um, so I had, I like, I had weird naming conventions because I often, I'm one of those people who will spend entirely too much time looking at the, mm-hmm. what do you want to name this character box? Um, so, uh, I, I'm not, this, this isn't a commentary on anything. I, I'm truly, honestly not trying to offend anyone. Uh, but for some reason, my first party, the one where everyone died, uh, they all had super biblical names. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about religion. This is not a commentary. It was just a coincidence. Uh, my most successful party, unfortunately, just because those people were very well prepared and just met with terrible luck, uh, they were named after the Munsters. Huh. So, so like Herman Munster, Lily Munster, Grandpa, Marilyn, and Eddie. And fun fact, <laughs> if you never watched the Munsters, uh, Marilyn is the only one who doesn't look like a classic horror movie monster. She just looks like a normal teenage girl. She's like a normal high schooler. She's got blonde hair. She's very, very what you expected a high school girl on television in the 60s to look like, right? Like white, blonde, perky, you know? So uh, she died and all of the monster people survived. And that I don't think is a coincidence that I think the game actually knew what it was doing. <laughs> no because then it's just kind of like like ah you have arrived in oregon only us monsters here yeah yes yeah no oregon <laughs> is like hotel transylvania <laughs> <laughs> um one of the other things that that i did want to touch on is so we, we spoke about the the visuals not being entirely necessary except for hunting right the, so i mean i did feel that the visuals on hunting they were very clean they weren't pretty but they were clean right but here's the thing, is that the the UI is so un, 
unbearably clunky, right? And and the way it lays out the obstacles and with how quickly the um the targets move, right? Realistically, my skill played little to no function in how much meat I brought home, you know? Agreed. Like like I mean like the the opportunity I, I did have to capitalize on the opportunity, but most of the time it was was the opportunity afforded to me, you know? And so I do think that that the one place where the visuals were necessary, they kind of weren't. You could have just literally say, I go hunting, and then have it just say, you brought back a random amount of food. Because even though they were trying their best to like hand agency to you, it, it's it's a pretty thin veil. Like You can quickly see through, like, eh, no, I didn't really have a whole lot of agency there. Well, and I assume that it must have been either not an option at all in the original teletype version or they did it through some kind of random number. Um, so this proves that I didn't do any more research than you would want me to, because there you go. I have no idea how they did that <laughs> on the original teletype version. Um, but the my problem with it is uh, not uh, just the awkward controls, because you can move, but it's like really awkward. And unless you have a nine digit, uh, like a full number keypad, because, oh, by the way, we this is keyboard only game, right? So like almost everything you do is selecting options from a list of options. So you, you essentially play this with numbers and spacebar. Um, yep. But I, which fun, funny side thing to that. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, when the first time I said, like, you know, which do you want to do? One, two or three? I pressed one and patiently waited for longer than I should have. <laughs> before hitting like enter and like actually executing like not not an unbelievable amount of time but lo- definitely longer because i was like one what what do i what do i what do i do now oh no i need to hit space bar. i got it i got it i'm smart <laughs> yeah so uh to further kind of along that path uh not only are we not used to controls like that but modern laptops tend to not have a number pad and the hunting mechanics, if you want to get good, you need to have a number pad because that's the only way to quickly turn, right, with any kind of precision. So moving is so clunky as to be completely obnoxious. And the obstacles, this is what I was really getting to, the obstacles are placed so thickly sometimes that you have to happen to be standing on an already dead bear to catch a bear. Like otherwise that day of hunting is just wasted to you. And that's what bothered me is the second the hunting screen loaded is it was just like, Oh, I'm not going to catch anything here because there's trees strategically placed near rocks so that unless something wanders right up to my gun and then like, eats the muzzle of my gun and patiently allows me to shoot it. (laughs) I'm not going to catch anything. So that, that was like the thing about the hunting that bothered me is I I get like they're super fast because they're animals and like that it's, you know, I'm, I can't aim very well because I only have like these eight directions I can point in like that is fine. But the way the obstacles were placed, I found less forgivable. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think that, the game what i think the game was trying to do and i think it just did not quite have the 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 hardware to do it is so i think the way they kind of compensated was a little clever which is that if if every time you went hunting you were capable like if you if you did get good right and you were a capable hunter right then then 
that part of it, then you would always eat well because you would always just spend time, hunt, get 100 pounds of food and move on, right? So the idea is that sometimes they needed you to come back empty-handed, right? And so their way of doing that in a way that didn't make it seem like, oh, well, they, they never gave me any opportunities at all, you know, where they just basically put you on a blank screen and had you sit there and stare at it for two minutes <laughs> while nothing showed up is they were like, okay, well, let's just add a whole bunch of obstacles so you get you get that sense of frustration from having having had a failed hunt still super frustrating you know like yeah, still not if they were trying to instill a sense of frustration mission accomplished because <laughs> i left a lot of those hunting sessions just being like if real hunting was anywhere near this difficult no one would have made it <laughs> <laughs> and so i think that that's what they were trying to do but i think the problem is that it's it's the the suddenly inverting the controls version of difficulty, which is to say that they are trying to make it difficult and frustrating, but they're doing it by making your interaction with the game difficult and frustrating, not just making the game itself difficult and frustrating. You know, so like like I'm sitting there like clunkily like mashing at a keyboard, being like, I need this to work better. You know, but it's, it's just not, you know, um, whereas like as opposed to being able to be like my interaction with the game is flawless. It's just the world has kind of turned on me, you know. So I don't again, I don't know whether that was intentional or not. I do know that mechanically I felt it was well served because I once I realized that I couldn't just go out and bring 100 pounds of food home every day. I did start buying more food at the general store. And when I was the banker. I was making it rain fliff. Oh, yeah. And when I was the farmer, I was way more, oh, let's just say I was more judicious with how many calories each of you got. <laughs> I'm sure your meals were not reduced, you fat piece of crap. Hey, man, look, I, I got I to gotta have my mental acuity so that way I can tell which one of you is weighing us down the most. <laughs> <laughs> and leave you out as bait when I hunt bears. Speaking of fun math problems, I felt the math problems in this game were pretty enjoyable in the sense that, okay, so one of the did, things did that you um, accidentally put in the wrong disc and start playing Math Blaster. <laughs> uh, uh, no, although we should, I'll do, we should totally play Math Blaster. Anyways, sorry, <laughs> this a different thing. Um, so uh, actually, uh, our friend Allison Keefe, who uh, uh, definitely um, died of diphtheria, she she's she's a teacher, which again, you know, why dive? It's fine. It's just, you know, again, just very disappointed. Embarrassing. Um, but she, she's uh, mentioned to me a number of things about um, like basically tangential learning, right? Where you're not, it's not what you're setting. Like you, you, you don't like straight up teach what you're setting out to teach. You teach it in a way where like they're kind of like learning things on the fly kind of. It's a very poor description of it. But, but this game does that where basically it's teaching you math in a way that you don't even know that you're learning math. For example, at the beginning when they say, hey, um, you know, how much clothes do you need? It's like, I recommend that you have two pairs of clothes for every person on your wagon. It doesn't say, I recommend that you have 10 pairs of clothes, right? So you gotta be like, okay, well, I've got five t- five people and two pairs of clothes per person. That is 10 pairs of clothes. Like, It's making you chug that math in a way that's like good and satisfying, you know? But in a way that you're not like being told like, Hey, what's five times, you know, what's five times two. Right. And I thought that was pretty clever. Well, And it's also, you know, in their defense as like game designers, particularly of this era, um, that's like a way more believable interaction, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we're heading out on the Oregon trail. Uh, how, uh, what do you think we need uh, clothing wise? 
uh, like two pairs per person, right? Like something for warm weather, something for cold weather, because the person in the shop does not know how many people are in your party. And even if they did, that would in no way impact their answer because it scales linearly. If you have two people, they still each need two sets. If you have four people, they still each need two sets, right? So the correct answer that you would get from a shopkeeper would be something that answers the question in a way that is easy for him to answer and meaningful for you to hear. So it, it's, this is like a rare opportunity where the, the math educational aspect is also sort of what would naturally happen. So it doesn't feel like, like, Oh, how, how many oxen do we need? And it's like, well, if one of them is going North at 40 miles an hour and, and <laughs> one of them is going East and, yeah. you know, leaves from Washington state and it's just like, Oh God, no, stop it. Well, and one of the other things that, that the other math things that they did that I thought was pretty interesting and clever was like, uh, you know, or, or at least the way I interacted with it, I thought was enjoyable and very kind of, again, telling is that the first time I played through, they were like, food is like 20 cents a pound. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I recommend that you have at least 100 pounds. So I was like, got it. 150 pounds. No problem. Right. And then like later on, people are like, oh, it's 40 cents a pound. I'm like, look, man, just give me give me like 300 pounds of food, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like. And then when I was a farmer, though, when they were like, food is 20 cents a pound, I actually chugged the math. I was like, okay, how much is that going to cost me, right? You know, so I thought it was very interesting because when I was the banker and thus money was not a problem, I bought by my need. Whereas when I was the farmer and money was very limited, I bought by what I could afford, Right. you know? And I thought that that, like, was just such a great, amazing, subtle difference in the way you play the game. And again, like, it's harder. I've got to, interestingly, the banker who would probably have access to better, better education and thus be better at math is forced to do less math because it's not as important for them to do the math. Whereas the farmer has got to chug all that math because he has very limited resources. So I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of twist. Well, and proof that they were thinking about replayability to some extent, either because you died or because they're hoping you're going to like try other strategies. And there's a couple times the trail forks, maybe try other forks on the trail. Um, you can, anytime you are at like a, a fort or a town or a place that has a lot of people, so like any of the scenic stop-offs basically, uh, one of your menu options is talk to people. And I think they either always say the same thing or there's only like a, a small list of things that people will say to you at each location. Uh, but one of the very last things, I think if you stop at the last fort before the end of the game uh the one of the things somebody says to you in that fort or town or whatever is like can you believe the prices they're charging for food it seems like every fort they're charging more prices it's such exploitation and i was like damn it (laughs) because i was also the banker like that it absolutely not occurred to me and then I was thinking back to an earlier playthrough where I was starving to death and I was like, <sighs> and then, but <laughs> oh, if yeah, you do absolutely. the reverse, because I'll tell you this, uh, one of my, like, I was like, ah, I'm just going to, you know, finger pistols, plays the banker and do whatever I want. I bought like a bajillion pounds of food in the first town where it costs almost nothing. And then we were away from that town for about 15 days before I got robbed in the night. And the guy stole an unreasonable amount of my food. Like <laughs> this dude lumbered off in the middle of the night with like 600 pounds of food or something absolutely ludicrous. And I was like, 
oh, see, that's why that strategy doesn't work. You can't just spend right. all of your money in the first town because crap may go wrong. Right. Even though, which, again, it's a game, but it's like, I feel like that the strategy of buy a whole bunch of food that, you know, is difficult and cumbersome to haul away versus keeping a whole bunch of money, which is very easy <laughs> to haul away and can be exchanged universally for any good or service makes more sense, you know, from like a robbery standpoint. But, you know, again, like they, they do want to disincentivize that you know, place. I was well. robbed several times and they always took stuff. I'm not sure the game actually allows them to take money, which no, I, assuming you sleep in your clothes because you have nothing else to sleep in and your money is on your person. I guess that would be the last thing they would go for. Cause they'd have to kill you again, probably on the table, but not the game that they're trying. To oh make. yeah. No, there, like, there may be versions of Oregon trail where it's like, you know, a thief comes in the night and murders Marilyn Munster and steals all of her money, <laughs> but that's not this version. Exactly. I mean, you know, I know if all of a sudden, like, like you know, like the, the 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 robber comes in the middle of the night and you lost Joe, I've been Joe, no, you know, but like, as long as they didn't take my money, though. I mean, yeah, honestly, I mean, you know, because you can exchange can money for goods and new Joes, but yeah, exactly. I mean, oh no, let's not let's not go anyway. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so overall, um. We actually managed to hammer through a, a lot of my uh, mechanics stuff pretty quickly. Um, oh, I, uh, one I, of the I other have just questions like, for you. <laughs> okay, so so the one other thing though that, that is just a throwaway thing that I wrote down that I, I I definitely wanted to touch on was just this was just such tickled me was um, I was in I think like some 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 Pawnee hmm. right yeah let, let's just, there's an yeah, area you were in you were in Minnesota got it yeah where it was Pawnee. And it said the Pawnee are the the like vicious enemies of the Sioux, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in an episode of Parks and Recreation." <laughs> like I'm, I'm the person that they have all the terrible murals about. Like, oh god, what 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 have we done? So I don't know, like that. Like I I, I genuinely belly laughed in the airport and drew some attention to me. Yeah, there are quite a few instances of. Uh racial insensitivity a little bit of whitewashing right and and some of that some of that i i think it's we should be fair some of that is probably just an artifact of three students in the 70s in the early 70s saying like okay we're gonna basically make this you know like a little you know we're not going to talk about the the people who died horribly in like a graphic way but like people are gonna die and so there's like this general toning down of reality just because of the nature of what this thing is and then and i'm not trying to cast aspersions on these three particular guys but like you have three white guys in like a well-to-do university system there's going to be bias toward successful white settlers and not really talking about or saying anything positive about like the native people, because there's a couple screens that have native people on them and the color chosen for their skin tone happens to be identical to everyone else's skin tone. Like we're just all the gray people from Futurama, except, except (laughs) Caucasian. Right. And that there's like, I I don't want to defend or attack any specific choices they made, but there is definitely some 
awkward winners write the history whitewashing stuff happening in this game and it's all like super sunny and funny and yeah, yeah no I, I i would agree with that i think um and I mean, and to be fair, like as a game developer, the best thing that you can do is just acknowledge your biases, sure. you know, and I think that, well, certainly not all game developers, because you still see some, you know, truly deeply depressing games being made like, you know, Dante's Inferno. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, you know, like they, they a good game developer will like seek out other people's opinions because it's like, is this it's not it's not about always being right. It's about being aware of your possible biases and seeking to challenge them you know you're not gonna get it right all the time but when you get it wrong to to double back but i don't think that like you said like you know a a couple of three you know game white game developers in the 70s you know i mean like that the the fact that they addressed it in any capacity was you know like shows that they were at least trying yeah and they didn't they didn't uh paint the native people as like like oh in in the night you were savages, brutally attacked yeah. by savages right like they don't do anything like that so that's that's at least something um, yeah but but here's <laughs> here's the stuff that I want to pick your brain about uh, I was not able to do nearly enough playthroughs to stress test any of these uh, theories but I have there were a few spots where part of me was just like how how deep is this puddle like is this is this like an inch deep puddle and I'm just going to get the very bottom of my shoes wet? Or am I going to step into this and it's going to be like a horror movie where I fall into another world? Because there are certain things, and and I readily admit that this is all colored by modern gaming. Like I know what modern games are capable of and what modern game developers like to screw with people. So I, I may be looking way too deep into this very shallow puddle, but... Like, one of the bad things that can happen to you is you can lose the trail, right? And, mm-hmm. like, you lose a day or sometimes several days. Um, if you stop and check your map, is that less likely to happen? You know, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so, though, because the first time I played through, I lost the trail about as often as I lost the trail the second time through. And I checked the map way less the second time through because the first time I played through, I cared about the people that were, you know, going from point A to point B. So I was was very (laughs) closely tracking my progress and like making plans and making rations. Also, the second time I was playing it fast and loose. (laughs) So I didn't check the the map at all. And I feel like I lost the trail about the same amount. But I mean, I did not. What is it? The difference between science and screwing around is writing it down. And I did not. I did not track any of that. So I was definitely just screwing well, and, around. And this is exactly my but, problem is there are several places where part of me was just like, is this just truly random? Like they're just periodically rolling like a D20. And then if it's high, low, this happens. Or if it's over a certain number that happens, or if it's this exact number, this other thing happens. Right. Or are there other things some of which are in my control and some of which are not in my control that are influencing this kind of stuff. Because uh, like wild fruit is another example. Like on some of my playthroughs, I felt like I was finding wild fruit left and right. And it occurred to me, I was like, oh, maybe depending on what time of year it is and what part of the country you're in, you are way more likely to find wild fruit because I felt like I always found it right in the middle of the journey. So I was like, maybe these certain parts of the country 
at the right time of season are way more likely to have wild fruit. Whereas if I had started earlier or later, or I took longer or less time to get here, I would have missed that peak, you know, like too, too early or too late. I would have missed that peak wild fruit season and like not gotten all these wild fruit drops. Like there's just all these little, the map thing, that thing, like things with hunting, there's all these little moments where I was like, obsessing it's like that the meme of like the lady with the furrowed brow and all the the math yeah. and numbers and like symbols flying around like i i was like i i feel like i'm looking way too deep into this but there are some other little clever design choices like the the way they obscure easy medium hard like the little visual of like the wagon breaking like the way you interact with townspeople well <laughs> interact that was generous the the way the way you can hear from townspeople and it sort of like informs like future playthroughs like is all this rng stuff happening or is like am i just losing my damn mind like do you even think there's a chance that this is happening or am i just staring at a puddle that i think is deep because it happens to be a clear day because because you're super high um (laughs) i mean no i would I would believe that I'm not sure like if all of those like w- where it's like time of year and location and like like if it goes like that deep. But I would definitely believe that, you know, towards the beginning and end of the years, like that those type that fortuitous things are less likely to happen, you know, like that that I, I would imagine that time of year definitely has something to do with it. And, and there may just be honestly an element of like pure randomness to it you know it's right. just no kinda like, interesting factors I mean, that but would, just total random numbers <laughs> right because i mean that would be very similar to i mean this is this is kind of a roguelike right no 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 nope. doesn't count i'm i'm i'm, I'm thumbs okay. down on this being a roguelike okay now because i was just thinking about because it, it's just kind of like you know the, the the idea is it's just trying to get the best run possible right yeah, so, but, but I mean, there's yeah, way I guess, I too much the, about the, the game that's static. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But anyways, um, I, I, I it would not surprise me, though, if they, it had that that kind of random element of like, sometimes you just have a good run, you know, where it's just kind of like a lot of fortuitous things happen to you and you just made it through. And sometimes a lot of terrible stuff happens to you through no fault of your own, because that that to me would feel more historically accurate so i definitely think like some of like the for instance finding berries when it's warm out you know but also like maybe robberies are more common when it's warm out as well because you know there are more people about right like but basically just kind of say like look man you know all you all you can do on the oregon trail right is stuff you can personally control right so you can control what you buy you can control how often you hunt you can control the pace that you set and those things directly relate to the things they correlate to like your health or you know what what have you like the amount of food that you have right but then that's that's it and then the random stuff just just like on the Oregon trail you just have, you have to like roll with it and deal with well, it i you suppose know? what i'm really asking is we know there is randomness in the game, right? You don't always break a wheel at exactly this day in this part of the trail, right? There's there's a lot of randomness built in. I guess what I'm really musing over is how robust are the algorithms of that randomness? So if, right. if does wild fruit only appear at certain parts of the trail and certain times of year and, 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 or is it just 
yeah, when it's springtime, you can sometimes find wild fruit. Like there's a one in one in five chance you find wild fruit for these two months. It doesn't matter where you are on the trail. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're close to. Right. So like the, the randomness is, is surfaced in game experience in such a way that it would not be unbelievable to me that these algorithms are very clever, but they may be simple mm-hmm. and it just happens to look clever, right? Like the the part of the elephant I'm touching is a really interesting, like I have the knee and I'm like, oh man, there's all these folds and weirdness and it's like muscular and somebody else just has the tail and they're like, it's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the world may never know. <laughs> but I, I, my guess, honestly, would be, I would guess that later versions of it probably have those robust algorithms. I would guess that this first iteration of it was was more first, more early. random. <laughs> yes, the, exactly. <laughs> the, the one that we we have our our nostalgia goggles uh, for. But um, but yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, I do have one other thing. Uh, this is another artifact of the way we played this. Um, because the emulator at archive.org is amazing. And if you want to go play any of these old games, you should go do that because it's really cool. Um, but (laughs) you can't save and this game allowed Mm -hmm. saving. And it's not that the length of the game requires saving, but it had an element built into it that unfortunately neither of us got to experience, which is when you die of dysentery, uh, it will leave gravestones around. And then on later playthroughs, you may actually come across gravestones from other players, right? From yourself huh. or from other players. And the way they surface that in the game is there's one gravestone you always pass. And it's like a an, a scenic spot where you can stop and choose to look at it. Did you not ever stop at the gravestone? Uh, no. Okay. No, or at least I, at least it's yeah, not really so about. There's, there's one tombstone, I guess, that you can always stop at, and uh, it he, you could type a message, and it has your character's name on it, right? Because it's exactly like a real tombstone, right? It's like your name and an epitaph. And <laughs> the default one that the game just includes for funsies, I don't remember the person's name, but their caption is, and I am deadly serious about this, hey, hey, hey come out and play and every time i passed that tombstone i had to you know it's like do you want to stop and look around i had to say yes every time because i was like how is this happening like how is this real life like you feel like you live in the universe where everything always goes your way i don't know how i ended up in the universe where that's a thing that happened (laughs) like (laughs) that is bizarre right well, especially because, like, I'm thinking about, like, and I'm going to uh, show my poor music chops here more so than I already have over all the podcasts. But, like, the what's offspring. the one? Like, where it's it's like, the offspring. Hey, yes. Hey. yes. The yeah. offspring apparently got right, that which, from Oregon Trail. <laughs> right. Because I was just kind of like, because Oregon Trail definitely didn't get it from them, <laughs> you know? So, unless, unless that song was, like, so popular that it reverberated back through time and they were just kind of like, this is this is it yeah but yeah i mean maybe maybe that's what it was maybe that whole song was just an oregon trail reference like and we just never knew i, I don't know I, I i'm i'm feeling like maybe that's from an old tv show an old movie a poem some other cultural touchstone that these two unrelated things happen to be touching on because it would 
I don't know what I would think about the world if I find out that that Offspring song is a reference to Oregon Trail. Like, <laughs> if it was the other way around, like, if it turns out that that song came out in, like, 89, which it didn't, but if if, if that song right. came out in, like, 89 and this is a reference to that song, then I would be like, oh, okay, someone who designed the game is also, like, a Offspring fan. Like, that's believable. But the other direction, that would be insane. Madness. It would be utter madness. uh but anyway so you know big question did it hold up so i struggled over this i struggled over what i wanted to call my feelings about this because i have my personal feelings about the visuals and i understand that that's that's not representative of everyone that's that's very strongly me uh, the music, anyone in their right mind would hate this music because it's grating. It's just grating and horrible. But there isn't very much of it, so that's not so bad. And the gameplay is satisfying and interesting in a way that I think almost no other uh, educational game maybe ever has been. So I, I wanted to say you could play this with no nostalgia goggles, but it feels just just slow and awkward enough that I think if you put this in the hands of someone with a high games literacy, but only in like the modern era, like they're maybe much younger or they got into games later. So they started with more modern games. I think they would really struggle with just the slow. It it would be way more obvious to someone in that situation that this is an educational game because nothing about it would seem fantastical or interesting or novel and they would have no nostalgia for it. So they wouldn't necessarily be willing to be patient with it. So I, I really think I have to give it a nostalgia monocle. I think if you have no patience for games of this type, even if you didn't play this particular game, but if you have no patience for games of this type, I, I, I don't know. I think you would sit down and be like, so did they remake this more recently? And you'd want to play like one of the newer, more graphically and, and auditorially satisfying versions. I definitely agree that, you know, I'm sure that as they improve the game, you know, they, obviously the, the game got, got better. Um, as far as, uh, you know, do you need nostalgic goggles to play this? I think that the only way, because I, I think no, I don't think that you would need nostalgia goggles to play this. But the reasoning, though, I think is because to me, it's like the difference between me going to watch like a sitcom like Friends or going to watch like SciShow on YouTube, you know, like it's a different it's a different headspace, you know, so like like it's not it's not fantastic i agree it's not fantastical it's definitely like i wouldn't like if i wanted to just kick back relax and shoot somebody in the face right like this this is not the game for that even if i just wanted to like kick back relax and you know like like web sling around the town you know, i could play play spider-man right but if somebody said like like hey i want you like if i was in a place where i was like i want to play like a a thought-provoking like semi-educational thing you know where i'm like willing to like sit down and like focus on it and like have that additional patience i think that this game still delivers on that but i definitely think that you can't go into it being like i'm going to play random adventure game x you have to be like i want to play something where i know part of it is me becoming educated yeah and i guess that's part of my part of my issue is i could imagine this this mystery persona that i've created like high games literacy but only in more modern games i could imagine that person saying 
I've always wanted to try a text adventure. I'm going to go back and play like Zorg or whatever that mm. super early popular one was. Um, I, mm-hmm. I could imagine someone going back, playing an early text adventure and enjoying it or playing a modern text adventure that's still done in the classic style and enjoying it. I think someone who reached out for Oregon Trail who had no nostalgic experience of it and wasn't particularly into text adventure style games would immediately be like, oh, this is like one of those educational games that kids used to play. Eh, right? Because it would be almost impossible to reach out and play this game without knowing the cultural. Like, it's like if you went to someone who is over like 10 or 15 right now and played Michael Jackson for them and they somehow never heard it, but they lived in like a, a first world country, they would be like, Oh, wasn't he like the biggest star in the world for a while? And then went and said, like, it'd be impossible for them to hear that and know who it was and not have all of the cultural burden on them. And this, that it kind mm-hmm. of feels like Oregon trails in that place. Like you either have this amazing nostalgia experience of it. Like we do. And like a lot of people do, or you would be like, Oh, this is that game that has all those t-shirts at hot topics where like people, People crap themselves <laughs> to death. Is that is that this game? This is the crap yourself to death T-shirt game. And the answer is, you know, like like, hey man, you know, Oregon Trail. It's 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 fine. It's not it's not necessarily the best in the world, but it's not dying of dysentery. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black, and you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creeping with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you've lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less on how you saved the day. Right, it's so-